This podcast is brought to you by Equus Grooming Products, human-grade cosmetic ingredients. Wow. So, Joey, I could use these products on myself? You absolutely can. And you know what? It's easy rinsing. It lathers up real good. It's just clean, clean product. Hook me up. Today is a special show because we have a special guest on Doc Halligan Unleashed with Joey Villani, the one and only Jay Rodriguez. Okay, so before we get to Jay Rodriguez, we have a question here, and I'm sorry because I don't, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't have the person's name, but I do remember the question. So the woman's dog is getting old and starting to get senile, and she wants to know, I mean, what does she have to do? Because things are becoming difficult now, and you know how it is, because I've dealt with senile dogs in a grooming salon, so you know exactly what I'm saying. It is a common problem. Pets are living longer, having senile cats and dogs. We actually have medication for dogs that are developing uh, problems with their brains as they get older. Uh, We also have... um, things that we can do to improve their quality of life. So senility, if you're so lucky to have a dog, because obviously they don't get senile at two, right, Joey? They get senile when they're old. We have great medication. We have behavior modification. We have a lot of things we can do to teach you that. You've really got to work with your vet because got to make sure they don't have high blood pressure or kidney disease or something else underlying that's contributing to them you know, banging up against a wall because that could be a sign of liver disease. So, well, hold on. Can I ask you a okay. question? Because you said you got to work with your yes. vet. How else would I get the medication? You have to get it through your vet. Okay, so you have to work with your vet no you matter what. You should. Now, there is some things over the counter, um, but let me tell you, most of that stuff is not strong enough to help a dog or cat that's senile. I mean, they make millions of dollars selling stuff for these poor pet owners, but save the money, go to your vet. The vet's going to help you with your senile pet. It's very important that your vet gets their hands on them and figure out if there's something that's underlying that could be causing the abnormal behavior. Now, is this something that insurance would cover if, if people had um, yeah. pet insurance? Yeah. So perfect. It should. It absolutely should. Just got to look in your policy. Okay, so when, when when pets start to get senile, and and I know I dealt with it with my dogs, um, um, you know where it's hard for them to get up on the couch, and we got stairs, um, you know, in the car. What do you recommend? I mean, the things that you may recommend that um will make you know their lives a little easier. Maybe things I'm not thinking of. Yeah, when animals are in their latter third of their life, most of them are developing some form of arthritis, and they can't do what they could do when they were younger. So. You can't take them for a five-mile run. Got to have short walks. Uh, You can't let them jump in and out of the car. They fall and hurt themselves. Um, They'll fall jumping off the bed. So they're, you know, you get ramps and you get stairs. And just like with people, my elderly dad and your dad, Joey, you have to adjust their lifestyle so they don't get hurt. Because as they age, they develop medical problems as a result of aging. So... Um, There's a lot of products on the market to help that, but going to the vet first and foremost is so important to make sure they aren't developing uh, liver disease, which can present as senility, where they just stand there and stare off into space. They're not senile. Their liver's not working, so all these toxins are going into their bloodstream, and their ammonia level's high. 
So, you know, that's why it's important for your dog or cat to get checked by your doctor. And You know, you, you know what's funny? And, and um, as um, my dogs were getting older, the biggest problem was going up but coming down the stairs was more of a problem because a lot of times they would tumble and in you know in, in the regular Italian American household we have a lot of tile floor so there was one point where I actually put the yoga mat at the bottom of the steps because um, Buster would, would would tumble down and instead of hitting the tile floor at least it was it was it was a yoga mat but as much as possible we tried to make it where he didn't have to go up and down the stairs, but sometimes, you know, they don't want to wait. They, they, they still think they're independent, and they get angry when you try to help. They do. My chocolate lab, Duke, he would walk up to his food bowl and start barking. And I'm like, Duke, you know, see, they lose their sense of smell. They lose their sense of hearing, their vision and everything. Um, so, um, oh, Just like my dad. Just like your dad, yeah. I mean, and they age, remember, five to seven years in one year. So when they're 15... They're very old, and we are seeing pets living longer now. So it's all about giving them a quality of life and don't have... Old age is not a disease. That's one thing I want to say. I mean, you can have a 15-year-old dog that looks and is acting pretty healthy. Um, that's a dog that's being managed properly by its parent and its vet. Kind of like you. You look good for your age. Yeah, you know, right? This show is going to be special because it's a blast from the past. We are with the one and only Jay Rodriguez. Well, it's good seeing you guys. And I have to tell you, I am now clean. I'm never clean shaven, but we just passed Halloween not so long ago. And it's uh, I think the last time I was babyface is when we all worked together on Groomer Has It, that show on Animal Planet that... Um, was really fun and you guys were judges and I was a host and I remember being one of the first jobs I had here in LA and we had a good time, didn't we? It was an awesome time. You know, I, I gotta tell you one thing and I know people can't see us, but you look the same. It's like you didn't age and that was <laughs> that was 2008 or 2009, I, I forget, but... but yeah. Wow, you look great. Uh, well, thank, thanks. I feel like I'm aging. Well, listen, this whole quarantine, I feel like I'm, I'm getting older by the minute, but... Uh, no, it's been a it's been a really cool um, you know decade I would say because when I first started working with you guys I had just finished doing a big reality show but it was the first of it of its kind and, and I was always an actor before that it took me a while to get back to just being known as an actor uh, so th I'm thankful for the past eleven years. Well, Jay, um, what I found to be very enlightening when I attended some of your shows was. I mean, I didn't know how extremely talented you are. I mean, you can sing, you can dance, you've done Broadway, you won an Emmy for Queer Eye. I mean, is there, there's really nothing you can't do. Well, it's so funny. I was actually meeting with one of the uh, directors of Queer Eye. Uh, she's a professor at UCLA. She teaches directing and, and she was saying, you do a little bit of everything. And I was like, literally that is just because um, you know, out of necessity to work. It's kind of great if you can do multiple things. I personally would just love to just hop on a TV show and just sit on that for a couple of years. But um, that's, you know, it's always tricky. So it's nice to have a full Rolodex. And I have to credit, I probably my experience in Rent because it required all those things. You had to 
sing, act, and dance a little. And then, you know, I, I got bored. So I started hosting my own nightclub act. And so that kind of brushed up on my hosting skills. If you can wrangle drunk people, you can do anything. Um, and so, uh, you know, so it's kind of been um, a really, I, I sometimes complain that it's, um, that, I, I, that I have like 16 jobs all at once sometimes. But I think a part of me is such a East Coast hustler that I don't think I'd be happy, you know, just sitting still. I always have something going on. And I think people want to work with you again because you are just the consummate professional. I mean, it's true. You show up. You're on time. Uh, Joey, remember he had to read cue cards. They were so cheap that show on Animal Planet. They had to, they were writing out cue cards. They wouldn't even give him a teleprompter. Well, it was funny because I think, I don't know if you guys know this, but I would often get scripts the moment we got to work and legally we needed to make sure that the contestants knew all the rules exactly in the language. So no paraphrasing, otherwise it would have been a legal upset if someone had misinterpreted the guidelines. So that's why the cue cards were always there because usually the content, it was like two pages of material that I got that morning. It was a little too quick to memorize it all, but yeah, the cue cards reminded me of, of like the eighties being on a sitcom. So you brought up you brought up rent um, on Broadway, and I guess um, I guess you're happy that that um, you're not part of that show right now because I get, you wouldn't be working for a little while because it looks like Broadway's not going to happen until oof, maybe June of of twenty one. Yeah, I think Broadway, the Broadway community, has been hit incredibly hard, and one of the misconceptions is that everyone who is working in any capacity on the Broadway show, whether it is the performers or the in the massive amounts of people that work behind the scenes, the crew, wardrobe, um, the ushers, um, these people have families and many of them live in the suburbs and they commute into the city. And, you know, so many of them are now like, well, what do I do now? Um, you know, I think the performers, so many of us have just gotten really innovative. And for me, I've been going live daily on my verified Facebook page at 5 p.m. So this is a global virtual happy hour. And Mondays, I do like a pop-up cabaret show where the audience gets to tell me what they want to hear me sing. It's been testing my skills. It's fun. I'm like a human jukebox. That's very cool. <laughs> but So, Jay, tell us, let's dive right into your new projects i i want to hear all about them so it's really funny there was a um i was going on for an audition uh the beginning of 2020 it probably was february and uh my my cast from queer i was in town because uh that day was a thursday and we were shooting family feud on friday so in my infinite not thinking wisdom, I went to the audition for a piece that takes place in 1960 with my iWatch. And during the audition, my iWatch was just blowing up and I kept trying to cover it because I was like, this is not period. But um, it was the Queer Eye Boys, the creator of Queer Eye was like, what are you guys all doing here? Because Family Feud was you know, unaffiliated with the producers. And they were like, we're shooting Family Feud. Well, I didn't get all those messages till after my audition for this HBO show. And so I get on the text chain and I say, oh, I'm sorry, I was auditioning for an HBO project. Well, the creator of Queer Eye says, what show? And I said, oh, it's a new HBO Max. It's their streaming uh, show called Equal. And he said, that's my show. And I have never in my entire career, which is now October 20th, marks 23 years from when I began in Rent on Broadway. I've never asked anyone for anything like in this way, but I just completely just cut to the point And I was like, well, why don't we just cut all the red tape and you just <laughs> offer me a part right here in front of the other boys? 
And I will tell you what, I auditioned all of us. It was interesting. It was almost every gay liberty that you could imagine from television was in this one room. Um, and we had all gotten the same appointment time. And I was like, so we ended up taking pictures. But they, their response was quite simply, oh, well, actually, let's see if there's something for you. We all read the same three roles, even though there's many roles in the piece. And there ended up being this great role of this cabaret star from the 1960s who performed in drag, was very political, became the first out gay politician to run for office, did not get elected, but started this great um, charitable organization called the Imperial Court that is still um, has over 70 chapters internationally. And when they saw my uh, portrayal of Jose Sadia, the character that I played, you know, it's always nerve wracking when you're playing someone who's either friends and family are still with us or if they're still with us. Um, he sadly passed, but uh, the, his legacy is is quite strong. And so they were very moved by the portrayal and they felt very connected to um, how I played the character, so much so that on the 14th, they're actually honoring me um, with uh, the Jose Sadia Award, which has been solely really given to politicians and dignitaries and, and folks who've uh, you know fought the good fight. And so it's a huge honor and I, I, I think what's so fascinating about these kind of projects is it was a streaming show that they paid us $650 a day and they managed to shoot all my scenes in one day. And, uh, you know, that was for a lot of us. So it was a it was a passion project that I'm thankful has gotten um, a lot of recognition and more importantly, that it's added to a, a catalog of, of history um, for LGBTQ plus people to kind of you know, understand a little bit about some of the things that we might not have learned in, in school or in our communities. And so for that, I'm I'm thankful to kind of be etched in to history and get another project, which is nice because I always say my life feels like party with a purpose. Oh, I love that yes. party with a purpose. That is very cool. Yes. And you're you're Puerto Rican, Jay? Mm -hmm, I am. Okay. Yeah. And you uh, do you speak Spanish? You know, I always say I speak Spanish like J-Lo did before she met Mark Anthony. It's a very New York City, <laughs> bastardized, very just slang Spanish. I can get by in Miami, but I would not make my way in Spain. Um, but I will say, you know, we are recording this uh, virtually right now. We're not in the studio and uh, we are all on Zoom right now. And and, and Joey Villani, uh, his backdrop looks like he is on a beach in, in Puerto Rico right now. So Yeah, we need I'm to switch. Jealous. We need to yeah, switch exactly. some backdrops. <laughs> I mean, you look like you're on a vacation. It's yeah. great. Yeah, virtual backdrops, you know, they help. Um, so They do. They change their mood changer, which is nice. So what part of New York did you actually grow up in? So I grew up in the suburbs on Long Island. So it's interesting that I, you know, I lived in the city for my adult life because it was in many ways kind of the scary big mecca you know my we would go into the city was like be careful be, it's dangerous and and it's interesting now that when you're when you live in a big city how you just become a part of what makes that city move so fast and i think that's one of the reasons why i think it'd be really tricky for me to ever move back to new york because i always say it's a city for the young or rich or both and when I lived there, I was working a lot. I didn't even think about how expensive it is or the very specific smell the city has. And, you know, it's it's a beautiful, great, iconic place. But I think now I would, I, I like as I get a little older, I don't want to hustle so hard. Um, and I think, you know, if I could, if, you know, going back to the pandemic, I think about, good Lord, had I stayed there, 
you know, what would the shape of my career be right now? What position would I be in? Thankfully, things are opening up in television um, here in Los Angeles, and, and I'm really excited about that. Um, and I just shot a Queer Eye reunion with my, with my boys uh, for E!, which will air next summer. And they are, they are keeping every performer and crew member very safe. They have uh, the COVID patrol, um, which is two basically people that are on-set COVID enforcers um, who are making sure that people are physically distant, that they have a mask. And um, so you feel really safe when you're performing uh, on a set. And, and, it, and it's good because, you know, people got to get back to work, but we just want to make sure we're doing it in a way that's responsible and safe. And uh, I'm no longer scared of the nasal swab test. I've had about 10 in the past two months. So I'm, it's not as scary as I thought. Now I'm just used well, to it. Well, and aren't you doing a radio show too or a podcast? Because we, Joey, we connected <clears throat> again because about a year ago, Jay had a radio show and said, I wanted to have you on as a mm -hmm. vet every week. So I was doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who I'm always trying to do things for a good amount of time. And once I feel like I've plateaued in that space, I want to take on a new challenge. It would be similar if someone has a business and they were working for someone and they want to open up their own shop. So I, I did, um, you know, host the morning show, which is the morning show is like the coveted spot in radio. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, traditionally the most listened to hours in radio. So there's the most ad sales there. You can get a better salary if you're working in the morning. And it was great, except for my my personal life as a human being, going to bed at 8 p.m. and getting up at 4 um, or 8.30 and getting up at 4.30. I mean, it was it, it really was such a disconnect from society because by the time I got home, I need to have lunch and then chill out. And then I'd have to go on auditions and stuff. And I wasn't fully present. I'd already spent five, six hours at work. And then by the time people were getting done with their day jobs and wanting to have a nice dinner at eight, I had to go to bed. So for a year and a half, that life was really fun. It was a brand new station. I helped launch them. <clears throat> but ultimately, I think uh, for me, the, the best decision was to not have those hours cloud my ability to be a strong performer um, in a more visible space. Because, you know, in radio, people are, I think we don't even think about this, but people just, they you don't stay. If you don't like the song, you switch. If it's a commercial, you switch. Um, and then they can't see your face. And so it's just, you know, I, I kind of did what I needed to do and help them become the first coast-to-coast uh, -coast nationally syndicated LGBTQ radio station. That was my job there. I did it and I moved on. And, and I'm thankful because I've had a really oddly productive year with, you know, getting to host the daytime Emmys this summer as the first virtual host for any major award show. Um, that was a huge honor. Might not have come to me had I been working in radio. Um, and, you know, I'm feeling really optimistic about the future. I think working from home as a performer, so you got to get real creative. And it's a part of my brain I haven't necessarily tapped into in a while. But I got to tell you, my virtual shows, I got backdrops, I got lighting and a fog machine and great sound. And but I wouldn't have thought to do those things had it not been for the pandemic. And the beautiful piece is, what if I don't ever come to a town near you? Now, virtually, I can connect with people who are watching from Australia, Ireland, South America, Brazil. The Philippines are always on my live. And, and I don't get to those places really regularly. I hope to one day. But it's a nice way for them to kind of feel like they're not missing out on anything and and just kind of, you know, I think it's a cathartic two-way street that we're helping each other through this And, you know, you are a role model. Uh, so from Rent, uh, you were then plucked out of Rent to, to go right into Queer Eye? 
did it, there you know, this is such a funny story. So I was, like I said, I just, five years in rent. So you know me, I got antsy. So I would leave and come back. I would do a play Lincoln Center. And you always are trying to build your resume and get reviewed. So people start talking about you. And, and hopefully one day you win an award or just, you know, the more accolades and more shows, your salary gets increased. And so with that, I was always open to auditioning for anything during that time. And I remember leaving rents and I had you know, a nice salary and rent. And I went to go to an off-Broadway show. Now, an off-Broadway show is cute because you get the reviews. If it's a musical, you're on this soundtrack, which lives on forever. Anytime someone listens to it, they're listening to you. But um, I auditioned for, I had this random audition for a reality show. At that time, no one, we had like trading spaces and um, there were the real world. There weren't a lot of references of what that even meant. Anyway, I was only told it is a show that... Uh, you know, you're going to be basically giving makeovers and we just want you to be a nightlife expert and talk about culture and help this guy just behave better in any social situation. I was like, got it easy. And I remember auditioning for it, not thinking much of it, because at the time the show was, um, you know, on a station, no one was really watching in high numbers. And that station was Bravo. It was the Bravo Network, which is owned by NBC. But all they really had was inside the actor's studio. This is before Housewives. This is before um, any of the big tentpole shows like Project Runway were even in the ether. So I did it fully assuming I would just do it for a couple months and then go back to my off-Broadway show, um, you know, and I just needed the extra money because I took a pay cut. Well, lo and behold, we do this show, Queer Eye. It launches, triples the ratings in Bravo's history ever. First of its kind, first all-out gay cast in network history ever. And the globe, the world, really took to it. We're in over 190 countries. And, and it was a real kind of game changer for me. However, the catch-22 there was suddenly I had now contributed into uh, making myself famous for something that I didn't do professionally. So when the show was over, I had spent three years and 100 episodes teaching people that I was some cultural savant. And it was really hard for them to then think of me as an actor afterwards. It took some time and I'm thankful for the patience that the people that have represented me have had and, and how hard they had to fight for getting me into rooms. There were some auditions, Doc and Joey, gotta be honest, where they were like, we don't wanna see Jay, we, we, we love him, but he's not right for this. And my manager at the time was like, just go, here's the address. What are they gonna do, say no? And I remember it was for a sitcom on NBC. It was Chelsea Handler's sitcom, Are You There, Chelsea? And I, I just showed up and they were so mortified that I had the audacity to show up. They saw me and I booked it. And um, I wouldn't instead recommend that, but I, but I will say it's also about like, sometimes you gotta, you gotta step outside of the box to show people that you're capable than more than what people think you are capable of in any profession. Um, and, and yeah, I think I've just always kind of had this drive um, and this desire to to entertain and be a storyteller in whatever medium. And I always say party with purpose. But even if you think about Groomer Has It, while it was a entertaining show about finding America's next top dog groomer, the two of you managed to organically give takeaway points that would help pet parents anywhere who watched it. And there was the meat and potatoes and the vitamins you snuck in, you know what I mean, that were actually good for the viewer and entertainment. Well, Joey reached out to me about a year ago and said, let's do a podcast. And we were like, because Joey so and I want to work together. You know, he looks up to me. You know, he's attracted to me, but I always have to say, look, you know, 
We're just you know, friends. She, she just she just keeps turning me down. You know what can I say? <laughs> oh and so this gave us the opportunity to be able to work together again. And both Joey and I believe in helping people with their pets because during the pandemic, pandemic pets everywhere, Jay. Pets have doubled, and there's going to be a lot of people who can't afford their vet bills. And and we, we right. just see a recipe for disaster unless we go out and help pet parents. And also the preventative information that you offer. There's so many times where someone grew up with a pet, a dog or a cat, let's just say it's that, and they think because they grew up with one and perhaps their parents care, took care of it, that they know everything that there is to know about this animal and they might be doing things or have habits that might cause medical problems or issues with the animal in the future. And so it's really kind of great that you're offering this advice so that you know pet parents don't find themselves in a bind due to something they contributed to. Do you guys ever think about some of the crazy people that we met on that show? We met some crazy, yeah. and we had some crazy guests on too. Janice Dickinson, um, who, who was the girl next door? Will, um, um, Kendra Wilkinson. Kendra Wilkinson. Do you, do you know that I did a play with her in Vegas? It was her. I basically, I was her best friend, her security guard, her scene part. I mean, Kendra and I, uh, yeah, we spent seven months of our lives together in Vegas. Which is which is I ironic. I saw that show. You did. Wait, Joe, I saw it. Oh my god, you were amazing. Oh, thanks. And she was really good. She really too. was. Listen, I gotta say that some yes. people who come into any experience, for her it happened to be acting with an open heart and open mind, and she was just like, I am here to learn and I'm open to the experience and I gotta be honest, there was she is a natural she has no filter. So she if you give her something on stage, she'll react to it, which is what you should do. Um and so it was really surprising to people, but she's delightful and and it was a fun experience. But we did have on Grimmer has it you know, and Joey, you could probably speak to this more, but the, the grooming community are colorful <laughs> folk. They are big personality folk. Boy, are they. But they can have their own They can have their own show if they can only get along with each other. Um, but yeah, there's color, big personalities. And I didn't realize how I thought it was just competitive in the showing of dogs. I didn't realize how competitive it is just overall in the industry, you know, just in the regular grooming world. Yeah, the grooming world is is um very competitive, and it's it's. I gotta tell you, it's funny how it's growing. Um, up until COVID, we've had record numbers in 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 attendance. Um, as far as competitors go, and um, it, it's it's been like jumped by thousands, not hundreds, but thousands. I mean, it's it's and and not just in this country. You go over to Asia, um, and and yeah. it's, it's it's amazing. Um, they've invited me to go to Korea at least. 10 times to judge and i don't know why i keep wow. saying no but i do you gotta go yeah you gotta go that'd be a funny but also like is do you think it's the internet like instagram and people posting these great grooms and suddenly you're following I, do you think that might have uh, contributed to the rise it's it's the creative you know what it is it's the creative dogs i mean within within the grooming community not outside of it because i think a lot of people um like i was in australia doing a show um, with Rebel Wilson, and my episode was Creative Dog, and we had to really tone it down because they're not as accepted uh, as acceptive of it there as we are here. So we had to tone it down because they were worried about you know all kind of animal rights and and all that. 
So I think that they look at the American groomers and say, wow, we would love to get to that. Because anyone that knows pets, it is not neglectful at all. The, the pets absolutely love it. They, they feel like they're a superstar for the day. Um, it's the attention. Um, and um, so everyone's watching us and it, they're paying attention to the American grooming community. So it's, it's pretty cool because, you know what, Joey Villani's a star in his own world. But that's it. Outside of the grooming world, it's like, okay, who's that? <laughs> who's that fat Italian, you know? but he's not but you're not now now joey i mean jay you do look the same and joey has he's felt he dropped about 100 pounds and uh how did you do it it was a combination of a bunch of things The, the, the the biggest thing and i think the most important thing for me was weight watches and weight watches as much as I hated going to the meetings, I realized that the whole thing is going to the meetings because there's accountability in those meetings. You show up, if you don't lose a pound or two, you're getting weighed in front of everyone. Oh, and it's, it's kind of like, okay, you know what? I have to, you're, you're calling me out here. So I need to lose those pounds. And you listen to people's stories and you make a community. It's like, you know, it's funny because on, on Facebook, I, I do, a, I do it this morning. It's not really a show. It's just to my community. And it's, um, are you willing to do this with me? And it has to do with working out with business, with, with, with faith. It's everything that, and I get up at five o'clock in the morning and wow. now I have to do it because, because I know there's people waiting for yeah. me. Aww. So it, well, the, well, it's good because it keeps me on track because I then have to go work out because I gotta, I gotta start looking better. I can't start looking worse. You know, are you willing to do this with me? You know, I'm talking about doing 200 crunches a day and, you know, it's not working out. But so. that's awesome too because I think especially so many of us, it's, it's kind of empowering to hear because so many of us have gained weight during uh, quarantine and isolation and not being able to go to gyms and having to do home workouts and stuff. And it just kind of goes to show you, you know, as we get older, like I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do it, but I'm recognizing it's good for my overall health. And the, the second part is to be honest, it kind of puts me in a good mood after not during, I hate it during, but after I, I feel better, you know? Absolutely. I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, Karen, I mean, you always look good. You, I mean, Aww. So I have a confession that I have to say. So <laughs> I do, I, I try to do 10 more crunches um, every, every week. Cause I do, I do five sets of, of 30. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now up to actually, I'm sorry. It started at five sets of 30. So I'm up to 200 a day. Um, and, um, but I got a, I got the stupid crunch thing, right? So what started me was, was I was driving home. And I seen on the side of the road. Now, listen, I am not a garbage picker. I am not. And I said, I go, is that like an ab machine workout? And it was right up the street. So I stopped and I'm looking at him going, wow, that's in perfect shape. But I didn't want, I'm like, I can't get to, somebody's going to see me. So I went home and I'm sitting there and I was eating a donut. And I was so mad I was eating a donut. I said, I'm going out and I'm getting that. And I ran up the block. I looked around to see if anyone seen me. I grabbed it and went home. And it was actually brand new. It had a price tag on it and all. So that, you know, that was the start of it all. <laughs> I'm really inspired to hear that, Joey, because now I'm going to, after this, go do some crunches. And, uh, you know, so I actually bought, here's the funny thing. I actually bought like um, adjustable weights that you can change. You know, they go from like 15 pounds, five pounds to 50 pounds and you just adjust them. And I bought a, a, a bench, a workout bench. 
And I, for the first week and a half, I was doing it. And then you get stressed and you order that pizza or whatever the, your cheat meal is. And then the next day you do it. And then the next. And so now I'm just now I, I, I know I can't have bad food in the house. I can't have like a treat in the house because I can have one. But then I'll buy I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll if I can't buy a whole pack of things. And you know what's gone. funny is we have so many fat pets, too. Everyone gained weight. All the pets gained weight. And so it's so interesting because the basic fact of life is that if you eat more calories than you burn off, you're going to gain weight. And I have clients come in and they can't comprehend it's the same for their fat dog or cat. No. I said to this one lady. You make a great you ahead. make a great point about this because this is something that a lot of my friends I'm always fighting with because of what you taught me about this. Because they're like, oh, it's cute. He got chubby. Can you, I know you're going to tell this story, but can you say why it's actually worse for pets to be overweight than humans? You've shared this with me a bunch. It shortens their lifespan by 30% if your pet is overweight. And if it's obese, it's even worse. They've documented those studies. All right. When they get arthritis, which they'll get when they've got all that weight on, it's irreversible and then they're painful at the end of their life so you're not going to see fat dogs or cats in the wild why is that why do pets in the wild decide to eat what motivates them to go eat they eat the fat animals yeah but what what in the first place why are they even going to eat yeah energy what else what else uh, what's a basic what else what's going to make them go hey that's it hunger and and so people don't realize and it's the same with us you need to eat for hunger when you're hungry you go eat you don't eat because you're emotional you don't eat blah, blah 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 and pets the same thing no one lets their pets get hungry oh you know they get hungry you put the food down and they gobble it up and guess what they feel better because they're hungry and they don't have half the taste buds that we have on our tongues they have we have like 2500 they have about a thousand they're not like oh i need this and oh i need that no it's supposed to be sustenance and there's this the diet companies make so much money off people and it's a simple philosophy wait till you get hungry and then eat and don't overeat and decide you're choosing what you want to eat and then you're going to face those consequences your pet can't think for himself so if he could, of course he wants to be around and love you unconditionally another 30%. Um, and it isn't funny. And, you know, I, I sometimes clients get mad. I had a guy go, you told me my cat was one pound overweight. And, you know, doc, and, but that's like, that's 10, 20 pounds to us, a little cat. That, so the point is that every year they get fatter and fatter and fatter. So, you know, um, so, yeah, I'm like the, the, the weight Nazi at the clinic and uh, but I get results. So Jay, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, I am really responsive on all social media. Just look for J-A-I Rodriguez and that is with a G and a Z and it's got the blue check mark so it's easy to find me as opposed to someone with a similar name. It's J-A-I Rodriguez and uh, I, I post everything that's going on in my life and my career and and my animals and my aquariums and I just launched a brand new website uh, called Jay's World for this crazy life that I'm living. Like I said, I'm a bit of a chameleon 
Um, and I have like six aquariums and a dog and a cat and just a kind of really varied existence. So I started documenting it. And I even have a section on there called the Concierge of Cool, which kind of harkens back to my Queer Eye days, which is a little bit of like recipes or drink menus or, you know, kind of DIY hacks for around the house. So it's kind of it's been a fun thing. And that is jaysworld.pubninja.com. But but don't worry about that. All you got to do is follow me on social media because you can find it all on my social media. It's just at J.A.I. Rodriguez with a blue check mark behind it. And I have no doubt that we're going to be seeing you on the big screen and TV in the near future when everything gets going because you're one talented, lovely human being. Well, thank you, Doc and Joey, for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Pleasure to see you too. Okay. Bye, Jay. Bye. Bye. Now, Doc Halligan's Medical Minute. Don't let your pets get fat. How can that save you money? Because obesity leads to a host of problems, including high blood pressure, diabetes, orthopedic problems, arthritis, heart disease, so many disorders when your pets get overweight. Studies are out that pets who are lean live 15% longer and yes, have much fewer medical bills. So you wanna make sure that your pet is at its ideal weight and the minute you start to see it's gaining weight cut back on the food start to increase their exercise and if you're not sure if your pet is overweight take your pet to the vet and have them check because oftentimes you can't tell just by weighing your pet you have to put your hands on it can you feel a wad of fat between the rib cage can you pinch an inch do they have an hourglass shape it's really important. So if you're not sure, take your pet to your vet and keep your pets at their ideal weight. We're so happy you guys are listening to the show, but we got to make sure that you subscribe, like, what else, Karen? Share, talk about it. Please ask us questions. I mean, gosh, you got two reputable experts in uh, the pet space wanting to ask your questions. So please, Email us or tag us on Instagram to ask us questions. It's Doc and Joey Unleashed at gmail.com. Doc and Joey Unleashed at gmail.com. You can ask us any question you want, even if it's a personal question about Joey. We're going to answer it. No, we're not. Yes, we are. <laughs>